You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. If you're happy to be back together, worshiping together, would you just put your hands together? Let's celebrate God. Let's celebrate what he's doing. It's so awesome. We celebrate what God is doing. We know that this is a crazy season, but we celebrate. And you know what's really cool is this is just a building. So us coming together is the church. The word for church, the Greek word actually means people. People coming together, and I know uh, so many of you have emailed and you've commented on social media. You just miss people. That's how church is supposed to be. How's this look? Yeah? Isn't it awesome? Let's, let's, let's hear it for those who have built this building together inside. Uh, it's incredible. Uh, for those of you who know Brent, our worship director, uh, since he's been on staff here, this has been his vision. This has been his design. The staff has helped process and different things, but we are so thankful that this has now come to pass. Why do we do this? Why are we uh, renovating or rebranding or whatever you want to uh, call it? There's a couple reasons. Number one is we want to create space. We really do want to create space, whether it's in a building or creating space outside the building, in your home, in your workplace, when two or three are gathered together, he is there. And so we want to create space as you come once a week to a large gathering. We want to create a space where you experience God. Why do we call this a worship experience? It's not about experiencing ooey-gooey feelings and this kind of surreal experience, but it's about experiencing God. We know that God really, when he changes us from the inside out, it's an experience. We get to experience the greatness of God. And so if you're visiting today, we are so glad you're here. And our prayer for you is that you would not just experience the new renovations and the paint and a lot of pallet pallet wood on the walls, but you would experience God. Because if you don't experience God, then it's just a building, and it's just paint and wood on the walls, and that's not really what it's about. And so I want to thank Brent. I want to thank the staff. They have worked tirelessly, and there's several volunteers here. I'm not going to be able to list them all, but there's several uh, guys who have put in probably close to 100, if not more, hours into this renovation. Ernie Merke, uh, he has led all the projects here, and Tex Campbell, I don't know if he's here still, uh, he did all the electric, all the stuff that you see. And uh, can we just give it up for those two guys and everyone else who's helped? We're so grateful, we're so grateful, we're so grateful. And uh, we're, just, we're just thankful to be able to get together. And uh, we understand that some people are still not gathering, and that's okay. Uh, we, we have a, a large following on live stream. So we have mics right here. So could you just uh, clap your hands or say hi as loud as you can and welcome those joining us live stream. We welcome you. We love you guys. And... Uh, I'm just going to reiterate this. Uh, when we come back together, it's, it's all about Christ is all that matters. Christ matters. We want to prove that 
by loving each other. We are all in different places in this whole COVID season. There are opinions flying left and right. There's facts flying left and right. There's politics flying left and right. We just know that everyone is in a different place. And so we want to serve everyone right where they're at. We have this phrase that we're going to be using is we want you to be comfortable to be able to come together and worship, but we don't want you to be overwhelmed. And so that's why we're not enforcing anything, but what we do encourage is that you would love those around you. That's why we have a sticker system. And the sticker system is very simple. They're at the stations as you enter the sanctuary. Green means you are good for hugs and high fives, and you're okay with pre-COVID behavior. We're asking you also just to be, if you have a green sticker, please be aware of people who don't have a green sticker. That means they're not okay with hugs and high fives. A yellow sticker just means you're, you're, you're taking social distancing caution. And uh, you just want to keep that six feet distance, and uh, you've, you've got reasons for it, and uh, they're valid, and so know that that's okay. And if you're wearing a red sticker, some of you are, that means you're taking high precautions, so that means just please keep your distance way from afar, send them love, blow them a kiss, do something, don't blow too hard so it goes too far, but um, so... Let's love each other. And there's many reasons why people are joining us live stream. Some of them are taking high precautions. Some of them aren't comfortable yet. And if that's you, we just welcome you to keep joining us. Some of you have uh, a large number of kids or kids uh, that need your attention, and uh, you're just staying home right now. We just want to welcome you, and we love all of you. Uh, Would you just pray with me? I just want to say a prayer of thanks and ask God to uh, bless this building. God, we, uh, we realize that every good and perfect gift comes from you. And we know that this is just the interior of a building. We know that. But God, our goal, our goal is to see people come together and be the church and to experience you in such a special way. For us to use our gifts and create experiences for people to engage with you and connect with you and with each other. But Lord, the real relationship, the real Christian walk starts when we walk outside the doors. And so I pray that what happens here, what is experienced here from Sunday to Sunday, would be life-changing to where people go out and make a difference by sharing the gospel in how they live. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We also, uh, I forgot to mention, we have these elevation buffs. I was told they're called buffs. Um, and uh, they just uh, have our logo on it. And then above it, it just says, you matter. That's exactly what we're trying to do. If you want one, kids, this is uh, teens and kids, this is great for school if you need a mask. Um, we're just asking a $5 donation. But if you don't have it, feel free to take one. Um, if you are a guest, Uh, You can either have one of these uh, as a gift to you, or we have a really awesome Elevation Community Church mug. All we ask from you is to go onto our new website. By the way, did anyone in the last week visit our new website? It is awesome. Of course, you know, Brent's not busy with anything. He decided to uh, (laughs) remodel the website and literally do a brand new website. So we're so excited, but there is a Connect online connect form. All we're asking you as guests is to fill out your name, your your email, and your cell phone. We will probably text you or uh, send you an email in just 
Thank you for joining us. So God is so good. So we are in this series called Return. Why in the world are we doing a series called Return? Well, the obvious one is we're all kind of returning back to inside gathering, worshiping together. Now, we were able to worship together underneath and around a tent, and it was awesome. But can you just agree, sometimes there's no place like home? Let's click our heels three times, right? And uh, I agree. It's so good to see everybody. And uh, we've, we've got enough light to where we can see each other as well. So we're just so excited about that. But we are returning to meet together, but we're doing so much more than that. The definition of the return, and it kind of defines this series of what we long to see is this. It means coming or going back to a thing or a person. And by the way, we are learning as we go with all the technical elements. We had a lot of things going on. Look at the center screen because it's going to be all on the center screen. The sides, we just need to still align them. So if, if you're looking at the sides, side screens, you may be a little distracted. So just look at the center if you get a chance. So it's coming or going back to a place or person. That is the definition of return. So our goals for this four-week series are very clear. Number one, we're going to try to gather back together in as much of a safe and uh, respectful way as possible. Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the gathering of the church, not the building, one day a week. It's do not forsake the gathering, of together, uh, gathering together of believers who do a couple things. Number one, they encourage and lift each other up. They point people to God and they glorify and praise God together. The second thing we're going to do, besides coming back together, is we're going to look at what it looks like to draw closer to God. Now, I'll say this. Many of you have seen God's incredible blessings and opportunities to draw close to family and to God during this COVID season. It ain't all bad. We've been able to realign our priorities. We've been able to realign the way we do life. We've been able to realign our time alone with God. We've been able, we've had a lot of time to reflect and see life through a different lens. And so we're thankful for this season. But as we come back together, wherever you're at, we're asking you and encouraging you to draw closer to God. And this series is going to take a look at that. We're going to look through two books in the Old Testament. Number one is Ezra, and number, one, uh, number two is Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah, if you have your Bibles with you, you can turn to Ezra. It's after First and Second Chronicles in the Old Testament. If not, you can grab your phones, go to a Bible app. Uh, and if not, we will also have a few of the scriptures on the screen. But one thing that we see about this whole theme of returning is the people of God, in which the Old Testament refers them to the children of Abraham, or the Israelites, the, the city of God, the people chosen and set apart by God. We see a very, I would even say, vicious cycle in the Old Testament. Some of you have already picked up on that, or what that is as you read through the Old Testament. But here's the cycle. God calls their people. God, God calls his people. He blesses his people. He provides for all of their needs for his people. 
The people are known by God and they love God. And even though that there is sin, God has provided a temporary solution for them to make a sacrifice and to draw close to the presence of God. It doesn't look like God designed it, but it's a temporary fix. And so they come closer to God, and God blesses them, opens the floodgates of heaven, and gives them favor over all their enemies. And all of a sudden, comfortability kicks in, complacency kicks in, apathy kicks in, and even sin is knocking at the door, and they start to let other things become their focus and their priority. They start to follow their sinful nature. They start to believe a lie rather than God's truth. And they start to turn directions of going God's way to their own way. And what happens is after a while, God's discipline or God's hand of blessing just begins to release. And we see destruction. We see division we see armies and enemies, uh, uh, enemy armies coming in and attacking and destroying the people of God, taking them into captivity, tearing down the temple, tearing down the things that represent God and his kingdom. And they go into captivity, and now they're desperate. They're in anguish. They've lost family members. They've lost any sense of normalcy. And they're in prison, they're in captivity, exile. They are slaves to whoever has conquered them. And the book of Ezra starts 50 years after King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonian Empire comes in, destroys Jerusalem, destroys the temple, destroys the altar, destroys everything that Jerusalem is known for, takes most of them into captivity. Ezra starts 50 years later after this captivity. And we see this man named Zerubbabel. It's not a common name today, but it's Zerubbabel. And it actually means planted in Babylon. So what's crazy about this is Zerubbabel is representing all of the Israelites that were born in captivity in Babylon. They've never seen Jerusalem. They've never seen the temple or an altar. All they know is the stories that mom and dad and grandma and grandpa have told them. That's all they know. And Zerubbabel is leading the first wave of Israelites to Jerusalem to return physically, to return physically to the city of God and rebuild physical altars, rebuild a physical temple, and what we'll see next week is rebuilding physical walls of preservation and protection. And we see them returning to rebuild, but we also see them do something else. They're returning not only physically, they're returning spiritually. Their hearts are returning to the things of God. They want to do life the way God has designed it. They want to worship him. They offer sacrifices day and night. They tear down false idols. They even, this is a different sermon, but God has them abandon their spouses of foreign people. So much so to say, you are holy gods, and in order to return to God, you have to return to him physically, but you have to return to him with your whole heart. And if that didn't make any sense to you of what 
is going on today in today's society, let's reword what is happening in Ezra 50 years after the invasion of Babylon. It goes a little bit like this, and see if you can relate. If you start to nod your head or chuckle, I know you're getting it. So here we go. These people were in a land, and they were absolutely stripped from life as they knew it. There was an invasion that brought destruction to many, and it brought destruction on everybody's way of life. Everything was shut down. People were taken away from any kind of normalcy of life. There was fear, panic, tears, families gathering together to grieve over the loss of what was. Sometime later, God made a way and created opportunities for his people to shift the way they live life and return to drawing back to God, reflecting God in how they live. Ring a bell? We have just been going through that and are in a season where the invasion of COVID has robbed so many people of the normalcy of life to where panic and fear sets in and we don't know what to do and we don't even know how to live anymore. We're living in fear and we're scared and petrified of everything. And there's chaos and confusion and manipulation and opinions flying everywhere. Kids going to school with masks all day long, cooped up in one room. Let's pray for the kids, but let's pray for mom and dad when they get home. I mean, that's crazy. Workplace will never look the same. Families and the way we do parties and the way that we do gatherings may never look the same. And we're robbed of the sense of normalcy. But isn't it, isn't it true in your life, in my life, and even us in society that God usually uses the horrible circumstances, the devastated invasions in our lives to shake us to the core of who we are and to shake us to the point where we're not okay with where we are anymore and we have to actually return to God? Returning actually means leaving your current place that you are in spiritually and physically to get to a place where God would have you. And that's exactly what we're doing, and that's exactly what Ezra and the Israelites did on their way back, returning to Jerusalem and returning to God. So I'd like to go back to our purpose of this series. Will you continue to faithfully return back to gathering together, whether it's here in these seats or there in your home or wherever you are with your device online and secondly, and I would even say way more importantly, will you seek God with your whole heart? Will you return back to the ways of God where his blessing and favor await you? Will you do things God's way and not your own way? And so we see this in Ezra 1 through 4, and we're going to continue to see this throughout the series. So I'd like to real quickly look at just only two things that the Israelites, led by Zerubbabel, 
did as they returned physically, but also spiritually to God. The first thing that we see is they returned to build the altar of sacrifice. You can read that verse in Ezra. They built an altar of sacrifice. Now, we don't normally have this kind of physical religious altar of sacrifice in our culture in our day, but we do spiritually, right? But what was going on here is because sin separated us, God's people, from a holy God, there's, there's a separation. Sin always brings death. You know what the word death means? Separation. Sin always brings separation. And so God always, always has designed to be with his people. So he was gracious and merciful, merciful and patient, and he, he designed and had his people build a temple a tabernacle to where he could dwell and reside. And we're going to get to that in number two, but let's stay on number one. The altar of sacrifice was the altar of cleansing. In order to even get to God's presence, you had to cover for your sin. You had to pay some sort of penalty for your sin. So in those days, God provided a way, a temporary pathway, shall we say, to pay for their sin. It was through a flawless um, blameless animal with no blemishes at all. It cost them something. They had to go through their herds or go to the marketplace and purchase the spotless animal. And then they laid it on the altar and the priest cut it wide open and blood shed all over the altar. This altar was burning blood and flesh 24 hours, seven days a week representing the stench of our sin in the nostrils of God. But yet it was a reminder that God was going to provide a way for us to permanently pay for our sin. But we need to understand that the altar of sacrifice was absolutely essential to returning to the heart of God. Number two, what we see uh, Zerubbabel lead his people to do is they return to rebuild the temple of God. Now, I alluded to it, but the temple was literally a building where God's presence resided in the most holy place, in, around, and outside of the most holy place. This is where people could not get to God. Only the priest who were sanctified and set apart and made holy by God, could go into the presence of God on behalf of the people. This is really important because we don't experience that necessarily. That's called religion in our day, now that we have a permanent solution. This was so important for the Israelites to return because building the temple represented that God would now come and fill their city and bless them and provide for them and give them favor over their enemies. It was everything to them. It was everything to them. So let me ask you, how does that relate to us in 2020? It's very difficult to look at Old Testament and say, how does this apply to us today? Well, I think with us now having a permanent solution that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to die for our sin once and for all, past, present, and future. 
And that's why we even call ourselves Christians when we believe in Jesus and we receive what he gives us, forgiveness, new life, and hope. And so I'd like to just take a creative way and show this on the screen. This is what it looks like to return to the good news that Christians proclaim. Number one is sin separated us from God. But Christ Jesus paid for our sin. His work on the cross gives us the forgiveness we need. And when we receive that free gift of Christ, he changes us. The Holy Spirit of God comes in and dwells within us. His victory over death. That word death is an eternal separation. Remember I said death actually is defined as separation. We're not talking about physical death here. We're talking about eternal forever separation. The Holy Spirit of God comes in, dwells within us. His victory over death and hell gives us hope for eternal future. And so often we stop there and it becomes a, I'm going to church because I'm a Christian and I believe it. And church is every Sunday. I come in, I meet with people, I worship, I get the word and I go out with my normal life. It can't stop there, friends. It can't stop there. It didn't stop for the people of Israel, and it doesn't stop for us now. This is where we have to build our lives. Lives is how you breathe, how you eat, how you sleep. How you do life will show what foundation you're building your life on. And what foundation you're building your life on shows everybody what you value and make important. And so we build our lives, go ahead, we build our lives on Christ, on his forgiveness, on the Holy Spirit filling us, and I'm going to get to that in a minute, making us new. We build our lives on victory that we have over death, hell, and the grave. We focus on hope, and most importantly, we focus on Jesus. Jesus is all that matters. If you agree, can you just say, I agree? I agree. Yeah, and so it doesn't even stop there. We need to live it for all to see. So when we build on the foundation, when you plant an orange tree, you're expecting for the tree to blossom and produce oranges. And when you plant yourself on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, there should be fruit to show that you belong to Jesus. And so the arrows just represent us living our lives at work, in our car, at the gas station, at school, wherever it may be. We're reflecting what we're building our lives off of. That's what Christianity is supposed to look like. But where we see Christianity today is a church building where people attend once a week. That's not what we see in the Old Testament, and that's not what we even see in the New Testament after Jesus Christ has come to rescue us. And so I'd like to end with two application points of what it looks like for us as a church, whether you're online or here in person or even listening later in the week, is we need to follow the Israelites' pattern in returning back to God, not just physically, but also spiritually. Not just physically, but also spiritually. And so I want to look at that. Number one, number one is this. Will you return to build the altar of sacrifice? Well, what in the world does that mean? You do not 
have to lay your pet on an altar. You do not have to go to the marketplace and get an animal. You don't have to do that. Jesus did that for us. He paid the ultimate price for the forgiveness of our sins. He paid the ultimate price to make us new eternally. And so will you return to rebuild the altar of sacrifice? It becomes our heart. What is the altar? It's not a physical altar anymore. It's your lives. It's how you are sacrificing to and for God. Let's look at a few scriptures that highlight that. Romans 12 says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God that are new every morning, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And what does it say next? This is your spiritual act of worship. This is huge. You know why this is huge? It's because the whole reason the Israelites returned to the city of God was to worship God, to be in his presence. And we have that today. Number two, or excuse me, the next scripture. Jesus said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. What does it look like to have an altar of sacrifice in your life? It looks like this. You give up your own way. You understand your life is not your own. Christ paid for your spiritual life. You take the cross that represents sacrifice, and you bear that in honor and cheer and joy, knowing that God, who is your life, will be faithful to complete what he started in you. And then you follow him. You don't follow the ways of the world. You don't conform to the patterns of this world. You follow Christ. That's what sacrifice looks like. And one more just to give another definition of sacrifice. King David, who was not perfect by any means, said this. God, you do not desire a sacrifice or I would offer one. You do not want to burn offering. The sacrifice you